0: I'm Edward October. Ask any bold individualist and they'll tell you. All you need for a perfect eggnog is to combine egg yolks, beaten until creamy, egg whites, beaten until fluffy, heavy cream, a generous portion of fresh ground nutmeg, and an even more generous portion of liquor. Most people use dark rum. I prefer bourbon. The final two ingredients are essential. A cozy seat by the fire to sip it, and a ghost story told as only October Pod can tell it. This year, October Pod's gift to you is a Christmas ghost story that can easily be called a classic of the medium. It drops on December 25th, Christmas Day. Find it on our YouTube channel, OctoberPod Home Video, or on OctoberPod AM, wherever you get podcasts. You can find all of our links at OctoberPodVHS.com. Listen by the fire, and we guarantee it will be the crowning pleasure of your busy holiday season. After all... Eggnog without a belt of good hooch is hardly eggnog, and Christmas without an Oktoberpod ghost story is hardly Christmas. yule yuletide horror for bold individualists.
1: It's such a common affliction, and it does affect girls more than it does boys. Mm, yes, um, definitely. And I've always joked that's because girls have the weight of the patriarchy on their shoulders since
2: birth. (laughs) Welcome to Psycho Cinematic, a podcast where we analyze depictions of mental illness and disability in popular films and TV. I'm your host, Stephanie Fornasia. If you love our podcast and want to give us some support, make sure you're following Psycho Cinematic Podcast on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter. And check out our website, psychocinematicpodcast.com. For access to special bonus content, episodes, early access, stickers, and contribute to our regular fundraisers, join our Patreon. Starting from $3.50 a month, you can be the coolest psychocinematic listener there is. I'd like to start today's episode by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which uh, we record this podcast on today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay respects to Elders past, present, and emerging, and acknowledge that we're currently on stolen land. And welcome to the podcast, Lauren Edwards. How are you today?
1: I'm good. I'm good, apart from some
2: slight technical issues, but I'm okay. good now. Thank you. There's always technical issues, That's Yes, your yep. way it goes. Right. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad you're you're with us. Would you like to just uh, briefly introduce yourself to our listeners? Absolutely. Um, my name's
1: Lauren Edwards, as you said. I am a singing comedian and all-around social commentator, disability advocator, and anti-capitalist girl next door. That's kind of me.
2: <laughs> I love that. I also want to mention your deep dives and you know, insider knowledge on the Bermuda Triangle oh. at SeaWorld, which Yes. Yes, is very... I am
1: a I am not a Disney adult, but I am a theme park adult. Um <laughs> it's it's I would be embarrassed, but you know what? I'm in my cringe era so I don't care.
2: We're all very (laughs) chuggy. Well thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Well I sort of invited you to talk on the podcast today because we both share something in common uh, which is not very commonly spoken about even though it's quite a common uh, Mm -hmm. disease and that's that we both have curvy spines so we both have scoliosis. Mm -hmm. So I was really keen, I've always wanted to do an episode on scoliosis and then I thought I've got to ask Lauren to talk scoliosis with me. Love it. (laughs) So I'll probably just start with just explaining to our listeners what scoliosis is Yeah, um, and feel free to jump in with your own thoughts as well. But scoliosis is a sideways curvature of the spine Most often is diagnosed in adolescence, while scoliosis can occur in people with conditions such as cerebral palsy and muscular dystrophy. The cause of most childhood scoliosis is not known, uh, which is why it's often called adolescent idiopathic scoliosis. Sounds very exotic when you say it. When when you tell
1: people you have idiopathic scoliosis. (laughs) Exactly they're like, what does that mean? And I was like, it means nobody knows why I have it. I'm a mystery.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, mysterious. Most cases of scoliosis are mild, but some curves worsen as children grow and severe scoliosis can be quite disabling. And especially serious spinal curve can reduce the amount of space within the chest, making it difficult for the lungs to function properly. Um, and one thing that I was concerned about when being someone with scoliosis is how it might affect childbirth mm-hmm. in um, you know the hips and the widening of of the hips and all of that absolutely children have mild scoliosis are monitored closely usually with x-rays to see if the curve is getting worse and in many cases no treatment is necessary and some children might need to wear a back brace to stop the curve from worsening and others might need surgery to straighten more serious curves which i always find interesting because when i tell people i have scoliosis they all they sort of say oh yeah you know we've all got a bit of Know, aspire. Yeah, we've all got a bit of that.
1: It's like, no, no, I have it. Yes, it's very prominent. <laughs> Whatever you've got, I can
2: guarantee you mine is worse. <laughs> My first question were you ever given, because a lot of people say this to me. Um, At schools, you're usually given like a bend test where they actually Mm -hmm. check if there's any Mm -hmm. um, differences in in your back sort of leveling. And I never had that. Did you have that?
1: No. So this was a big point of contention for my mum and kind of my school in many ways, because when I was diagnosed, the orthopedic surgeon kind of mentioned, you know, did you have a test at school? And my mum said, oh, she should have. And I had no recollection of ever having one. And it turns out, we didn't I think because you and I are the same age I think at, for some reason we just luck we didn't have good luck in that I think we just missed kind of the the cutoff
2: when they stopped doing them mm. and we also grew up in Brisbane slash Mean is that correct correct yeah, yeah correct. so it must have yeah. been a Queensland thing as well I don't know maybe yeah <laughs> it's
1: very possible but you know I never it was never looked at by a nurse because at school because I actually was diagnosed quite late for someone with my kind of curve like Normally, uh, I would have been picked up when I was about ten or so, but I wasn't diagnosed till I was nearly fourteen.
2: Wow, that's interesting because I was around the same age. I was about fourteen as well. Yeah. So tell me uh, if you're happy to um just tell me your experience of being diagnosed and and what who picked yeah. up on it and what what happened. Sure.
1: There? Well, I actually was in many ways was fortunate in that I was um. I have a, a, an S bend. Well, I had an S bend. So it was very much counteracting itself on top and bottom. So looking at me from with you know just the normal eye you probably wouldn't have been able to tell straight away that i had anything really wrong with me because mm. for some reason my body hid it very well but i was um a bridesmaid in a wedding and i was being fitted for a dress and the lovely seamstress had obviously made the dress on a mannequin and then was putting the dress on me and the hem wouldn't sit straight and i think we went back and forth for like a few days cuz she was just tearing her hair out not understanding what she she was doing wrong and then was my mum who was like I actually don't think it's you I think it's her I think something's going on with her shoulders like one fault. of her shoulders is it's your fault it's her <laughs> fault and then yeah so she took me to the GP and the GP got me to do a to bend over and do that test and I think she immediately looked at me and within you know not even two seconds she was "Yeah, she has scoliosis and you need to go to a orthopod straight away pretty mm-hmm. much and it turns out that I had a 40 degree curvature mm-hmm. which was like the kind of the borderline where between having a brace and having the surgery mm-hmm. so I was it was quite significant
2: yeah and I think Mike I, I've forgotten all the numbers because
1: yep <laughs> <this> was <so laughs> it's a long, long time ago. ago
2: but mine I think mine was about it was in the early 40s as well when it was first mm-hmm. noted so I'll put some stuff in the notes to explain what that degree means but it's called the cob angle mm-hmm. um so it's sort of the degree to which the spine is bent and the more significant the more need for treatment obviously correct so what happened next for you so we went back and forth,
1: you know, with several different, you know, with the GP, with the orthopod, with the actual technicians who kind of make braces and do the imaging and whatever. Because I was right on that 40 degree line, I could opt for the surgery or I could opt for a brace. Um, I They were sort of happy to do either one, whichever one I was happy to do, obviously as a terrified nearly 14 year old girl, the idea of having the surgery was quite confronting. Mm. And I think my parents were also very confronted by that. So Mm. they decided to, as is often the case in the medical field is to treat conservatively. So we decided to go with the brace. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think the time span between being diagnosed and being fitted for the brace was extremely quick. Mm. Um, Because yeah, they'd caught it before it got really bad, but it, was pretty late in the piece I'm told hmm. yeah and then I before I knew it I was lying half naked on a strange bed where they wrap you in plaster yeah. and uh, <laughs> shove a plastic thingy down your sternum so that you don't get cut open and then waiting for the plaster to dry and then the next thing I know this man is essentially ripping away at the, <laughs> the oh. at the plaster with a very sharp knife um to yeah take the mold off my body and have a brace made
2: and then I was in it
1: uh, 23 hours a day for two years
2: yeah extremely similar experience to mine how yep. claustrophobic and terrifying is the whole experience of being fitted for a brace in itself <sighs> Well, I think because I had, I'd
1: never known anybody else who'd had a brace. I had no way to know what to expect and it sort of didn't really hit me what was happening until I was (laughs) strapped onto that bed and it was all happening and then I started to freak out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the the, the plaster being put on wasn't too bad, but it was taking it off that I didn't like at all. I was very scared.
2: I didn't enjoy just sort of waiting for it to to yes, set yes, and not is. being able to move. I know. that was pretty awful. Yeah. I must ask, who do you remember who your orthopedic surgeon was? I've just remembered his name. It was
1: Dr. Tuffley. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um I had Dr. Askin, okay. and I feel like he Dr. Tuffley, Dr. Askin were like the two big Brisbane men orthopods at the time I feel like everyone I know who I've <laughs> met who was diagnosed um in Queensland went to one of those <laughs> yeah
2: it, it was the person to go to I, as far as I can tell they did a pretty good job I don't know
1: yes there's not much to compare I believe with so.
2: I mean I still I still have
1: to see an orthopedic surgeon here in Nam and everyone knows Jeff Askin when I tell them <laughs> oh my my surgeon was Jeff Askin I'm like oh sure we all know him so he's quite Well,
2: I mean, I think that's good. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a bad thing, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just to catch everybody up as well, I I was about 14. It was like summer holidays and I was bending Mm -hmm. over the fridge and my aunt was in the room and was like, what's wrong with your back? Because I was in my togs. (gasps) And I was like, "What do you mean?" And then Mum's like, "Oh yeah."
0: <laughs> and it just went on from <laughs> oh, there.
2: Oh dear. <laughs> um, and I was a late bloomer. I I grew like I didn't same. get my period till I was fourteen. So same. Yeah. Wow, we really were very similar.
1: <laughs> do you remember by? Do you remember where your
2: curvature was? Like what part of the spine uh, yours is mostly affected? Um. Well, I guess the biggest indicator was that I have a bit of a hump, which I still have. Um, yeah my left shoulder I believe mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so yeah another s curve and sort of on the left hand side there's just a big sort of mound where it sort of curves yes yeah I mean I was called a, a hunchback a few times by my own mum <laughs> that was oh, <laughs> not that. it's not very nice thank you <laughs> and I also um was offered the back brace as well or surgery and decided to go with the back brace mm. when they sort of show you the different sort of colors of back braces you can get. My my big question to you is which which color did you choose? <laughs> um well here's the thing, I actually didn't get a choice.
1: I didn't oh. know they came in colors. I was just given a very plain, boring looking whitish beige thing and that's what I wore. I didn't even know that I could. I think because it was the type of brace I was right. getting. Yeah. Um Mine was, I mean, I don't, I don't remember the different, I know there's different names for the different kind of models mm-hmm. and types that there are now. I haven't kept up with what they are, but I think considering the type of brace I was being fitted for, I don't believe I had the option. I've seen right, photos yeah. of yours. You had a really cool, colourful one.
2: It was colourful. I um, want <laughs> to say <laughs> cool. It was like their best option of a bunch of different like very 90s very like you know there was dinosaurs and pe- sure. and you know cupcakes and stuff like that and I was like all right I'll pick this one but um yeah, later on I had to get a new brace and I just picked white because it matches yeah, things better. Totally. Um, But I think the one, the type that I got was a TLSO or a Boston brace. A Boston brace, yeah,
1: and yeah, I, I remember that phrase. I, mine could have been the same. Did you wear yours under your clothes or over? I had to wear an undershirt, but I wore yep. it under my clothes, yeah. Yeah, okay, same, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But well I regardless I never got I never got an option to pick what it would look like it was just presented to me. I mean unless my mother was told about it and she just decided not to give me a choice. <laughs> it's very possible but yes it was a very plain white looking thing.
2: Mm. Well, you know it does match clothes a little bit better when there's not weird colors. And it.
1: true and I mean I think also too, my my school uniform particularly in summer was white and like a very pale like maronis Mm -hmm. uh, check so I feel like it was quite obvious if there was something coloured
2: underneath it so
1: that's maybe why we went with it yeah that's fair
2: so how was the experience of wearing the brace for you
1: look I was obviously very devastated um Mm. when I got it because I didn't know anybody else who had to wear one I was the only one of all my friends any I didn't know other I went to an all-girls school and Mm -hmm. I also didn't know any other girls in school who had to wear one you know, I think doctors do their best to try and convince you that it's all going to be very fine and normal. But even back then, I sort of had the feeling that they were just trying to make me feel better. I knew that it was going to be difficult. Mm. I think the thing for me I found really hard at first living in Queensland is how hot it could get under the brace and the effect that would have on my skin. So in winter it was mostly fine but like you I had to wear an undershirt or a sink I wore a singlet most mm. of the time you could never put it on your bare skin mm. but even with my singlet on if it was very hot I would often get very itchy underneath Yeah, which was you know torturous as anyone can imagine um and I think it was just just getting used to it took me a while and it is a very strange, it's difficult to, I'm sure you can agree, very difficult to ex- explain what it felt like.
2: Mm, yeah, But it was hot and cumbersome and awkward. I don't know if you've experienced this. It gave me a little bit of indigestion as well. It kind of impacted my, my tummy. So if I had morning tea in the morning, I'd feel sick for oh, a little really? while. No, I didn't have that.
1: I found it it was more uh, difficult for me to breathe deeply.
2: Mm, yeah.
1: So doing sport, I mean, I didn't, I'm not a very sporty person as it is, but um, I found if I was trying to run or do anything with it on, it really constricted my ability to take deep breaths. Yeah. Yeah. I just it was got quite out of high sport. up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I can't do it. I'm wearing a brace.
1: <laughs> I know. And it was, I mean, look, that was the one great thing about it is that, you know, you could just say, I can't do that. My I can't do that in a brace. And my teachers would just have to be like, okay. <laughs> but I also was a swimmer. So I was very lucky in that I was a, a natural swimmer and swimming was the one thing I could do without mm. the brace on. So I would spend a lot of time in the pool.
2: Yeah. That was definitely a saving grace, particularly in those hot summers. Like if yes. you want to swim or, for hours, you can. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly.
1: Yes, the doctor was always like, you can spend as much time in the water as you like because if people who are listening don't know, obviously there's no gravity in water or very little gravity in water and that is very supportive of your spine and it kind of helps it to um, to support your spinal column, I guess, Mm, being in the water, up to your neck at least.
2: Yeah. Did you find that it impacted your mental health, especially during, you know, high school? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think... Look, I was
1: lucky in many ways. I think I was lucky in that my year level of girls at school were actually more just very curious about my brace. I certainly wasn't – I was expecting in many ways to be bullied for it. Mm. Um, but that kind of didn't happen for me, which was which was a real relief. But people were very, yeah, curious about it and wanted to touch me a lot. Mm. Um, my mm. friends loved to, pu- like, punch me in the <laughs> stomach because they thought that was hilarious. Mm. Um, and I think also too because I was developing at the time, and I was developing an interest in boys and stuff, and I was cripplingly self-deprecating, and um, you know, it it was a real dampener on my confidence and my ability mm. to, you know, be social and talk to anybody that I didn't already know.
2: I completely relate. To yeah. That. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did manage to have a boyfriend at the time, which I thought was pretty good. That's <laughs> cool. I was the girl with the back brace. But, you know, there, there was still the odd um, person that said, like, later on, oh, I, I, I wanted to date you but I couldn't date the girl in the back brace. Um, I mean, thanks. <laughs> That's <laughs> probably brutal, yeah. You probably didn't need to tell me that. No, um, yeah, just keep that to yourself, bro. Yeah. But I don't know how yours was positioned but the first brace I had, there was a little um, sort of cutout gap where my one of my ribs was to try and yes. push one of them in and that one out. Yes. And it was really sensitive around that area. And the boyfriend I had at the time kept trying to tickle me there and I would hate it so much. No, no. No, no. No, we don't touch that. That's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Did you find that sort of experience?
1: Yeah, I had my cutout was on my right-hand side Mm -hmm. um, so that my right rib could poke through. Um, And I actually found that underneath where it was cut out, I mean, the right-hand side was the worst side because it went right up under my armpit Mm, to try and push my shoulder upwards and push my right rib out. But um, I found that underneath where that gap was, there was just the way that the brace is made, it would push onto my hip quite a lot. Mm. And I would actually find I'd get little, like, I I don't want to call them welts, but I'd get little bruises and little welts, essentially, um, that would sometimes become – a scab um yeah. underneath where yeah my blood vessels were just under a lot of pressure and I'd get little marks there mm. which were very sensitive and um I didn't like anybody
2: touching me there no no not without consent not without consent <laughs> but I'm sure
1: you can appreciate this when you have scoliosis a lot of people see you naked all the time yes, because you have true. to take your clothes off in front of many different doctors and their medical students so it's a very, um, I don't think it was handled particularly sensitively mm. back then, but at the same time, you know, they try and treat you like it's no big deal,
2: but you are naked a lot. <laughs> it, was, it was very confronting at times and intimidating, mm. especially getting your x-ray done. I don't know if, if you had this experience as well, but having to get an x-ray without the brace, mm-hmm. you know, and you're sort of naked on, in this cold room against the wall by yourself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then having to put it, have an x-ray with the brace as well, mm-hmm. it's just such a big... Rigmarole and for a young girl developing sense of self and all of those things, and often it, dealt yeah. with males as well, male medical professionals. Correct. All of my treating doctors were all male. Mm-hmm. Um, look, Same. they were all, I have
1: no complaints against any of them. They were all very good at what they did. But mm-hmm. yes, it is extremely confronting and very difficult when you're a developing teenage girl, and also. I had to have a number of MRIs as well because Uh they wanted to check uh, that it wasn't because of a tumor in my back. So also having to, I didn't have a tumor. They thought I might have one, but they're not sure. They weren't sure. So I had to have a few of those and I'd never had an MRI before. My mother had to bribe me to get into the machine because Mm, um, (laughs) it's also terrifying. And, but now I get them all the time. (laughs) Now it's no big deal at all.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's all very, um, yeah, overwhelming as a young person. Yes. Yes. You said you you wore it for two years. So what was Mm -hmm. the sort of process of getting out of the brace and what happened then? God, you're really...
1: Testing me here. (laughs) I believe I had to wean out of it. Yeah. And I think I went from 23 hours a day. And I think we had to do it really slowly because I don't know if you found this. I found I became a little bit dependent on the brace by the end.
2: Yeah. I actually ended up
1: being in it for two and a half years. They extended it a little bit longer just to make sure I'd finished growing. But I found by the end, when I was weaning, if I'd taken it off for longer than an hour or two, I would get quite a bit of lower back pain and Mm -hmm. like an ache through my back because Mm -hmm. obviously it was used to being supported by something that wasn't there anymore so I actually found weaning really difficult because it was very painful but we went yeah we had to take it an hour at a time so 23 hours 22 hours and
2: so on Mm -hmm. and I think
1: it took me about three months to come out of it
2: oh wow yeah I had I can imagine the pain that you just described Um, yeah because I think I went from twenty. 23 and a half to 23 mm-hmm. at first and then to f- getting four hours off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, by the end of that four hours, I was itching to get the brace back on because yeah. my muscles were so sore. Yes, and- I was surprised that we're not given – obviously, it sounds like we both weren't given any sort of exercises to build up strength in your Not your specifically,
1: muscles. no. We, I was just told to go to a physiotherapist. So I wasn't given – I was just told to keep swimming mm. and go to a physio. I think that's really all the advice I was given.
2: Yeah, which I guess makes sense. <laughs> I mean, sure, but- <laughs> makes sense, but it's not particularly specific, is it? No, no. Because, yeah, it was tricky and it felt conflicting because – I was so keen to get out of the brace and so excited to have a break but then I felt so sad that I needed to, I wanted to put it back on again.
1: I was the same. I really had become quite dependent on it by the end and it made me very nervous to come out of it because I was worried that something bad would happen and Mm. I'd have to, you know, because I had come out of it too early or I'd have to get the surgery anyway and, Mm. It was a very strange, and I was very excited because I could wear any clothes I wanted to, which was like, what, I mean, look, I was, you know, 16 and a half. I was desperate just to be normal. And Mm. I think my number one priority was looking cute. So I was very excited to be able to shop again. (laughs) Um, But yes, I was a bit sad to come out of it.
2: Yeah. And like, that's such a, like a vulnerable time of trying to figure out who you are and your personal style and yeah, attract a mate and, and yes. <laughs> put in. so not being able to dress the same as everybody else and you know not feel fashionable or feel hot you know because you've got yeah. this big block around you Was That's really right. tr- tricky it was really hard and
1: I also had um I also had got fitted I had to get glasses as well at the same time and I also, my hair had started to become quite curly and difficult to manage. And I just was just all shades of awkward looking. Like I was, you know, the teenagers today are just so much better at knowing how to present themselves. I totally. I was a complete, I looked like a thumb, honestly. <laughs> like, I mean, that's why I, was why I got into comedy, right? Lol. Cause I had to develop my personality.
2: <laughs> well, I didn't have glasses, but I did have braces at the same time. So yeah. Two out I'm of three. The geek. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the geek in that way. And I did call myself Brace Girl and make up a superhero name for myself. So that's really lean sweet. Lean
1: in. <laughs> that's really sweet. I don't think I did that. I think everyone. Oh, I think one of my friends used to call me Abs of Steel. That's cute. <laughs>
2: yeah. So obviously you came out of the brace. Um, was surgery still discussed as an option after that?
1: No. So they were very confident that they had gotten on top of it. I think my curvature went down from forty one degrees to like twenty seven or something like oh, wow, that. That's straight great. out of the brace. Mm. But for those who don't know, like that that won't last. Like mm. you're It is normal that your curve will return, but the idea of a brace is just to stop it from getting worse Mm -hmm. while you're growing. Mm -hmm. So they were very happy with my results, but it wasn't until a few, like a year ago or two years ago when my, um, because I've also, which is very common for people with scoliosis, but I've also developed degenerative disc disease. And when I was really suffering with some terrible pain, we had to reopen the conversation about potentially having the fusion now as Mm -hmm. an adult. Mm Mm-hmm which is a whole different kettle of fish to when you're a teenager.
2: Yeah. So where are things at with that, if you're happy to share?
1: Look, it's a very long and not interesting story, but um, we did a lot of investigation with a lot of different, a lot of my different treating doctors. So a surgeon, an orthopedic surgeon, an orthopedic surgeon, uh, osteopath, a physiotherapist, and a scoliosis expert, like a whole bunch of people, looked at my scans, looked at me. I was very against the idea of having fusion surgery in my late 30s. I just, you know, the idea of that recovery and how invasive that is was quite terrifying. And also as an adult, you have no – it's more difficult to get care Mm. and to have support because the recovery is at least six weeks long. Yeah, Recovering for six weeks when you're 14 years old is fine because you can do it – well, I could have done it at my parents' house Mm. while they were looking after me, but I can't do that as a 38-year-old woman. Yeah, yeah. So I opted not to have it done and I have two wonderful – I have a scoliosis physio and an osteopath who are very confident that we can manage it from here without surgery. Mm -hmm. And I have chosen to trust those people. And I'm on a program that helps me proactively manage pain and it seems to be working. So that's really good news. I hope that continues. That's what we're doing. Thank you. Thank you. I hope so. I hope it does
2: too. Yeah. (laughs) I think the correction from my brace wasn't quite as significant as yours. I think it sort of stabilised it without it getting uh, less pronounced. Um, Mm -hmm. So they did suggest that maybe I look at surgery, but um, I was really against it as well because I was quite scared about that whole process. And for people who don't know, um, fusion surgery, they sort of open up your back. It's probably better now than it was when we were younger in terms of how extreme it is, but they insert rods to um, straighten the curve. It doesn't completely straighten, but... um, No, it
1: won't completely straighten it, no. Yeah,
2: but it does correct the curve to a more um, manageable curve. And it is extreme surgery. It takes a lot of Mm -hmm. recovery and not just Mm -hmm. recovery for that six weeks, but also continuing. You have to basically learn how to walk again because your hips are aligned differently than it was before. There's a lot of rehabilitation that occurs. And I just didn't want to do that. No.
1: And because the other thing about it is that there's no guarantee that having the fusion surgery will fix any or alleviate any pain that you experience. Some people have the fusion and it may correct the curve, but they actually find that they're in more pain because Mm. of the rods and stuff. So it's a real, look, it's a a risk. And I think that's why they prefer you to have it done when you're very young. Yes. Because your body has a better chance of adapting than when you're much older, like
2: I am. Yeah, yeah. I would feel the same way if if that question came up again, and luckily I've I think I haven't had a checkup for a while now. But um, <laughs> yeah. last time, which was just before I got pregnant, everything looked okay, not Good. progressed. And this is probably niche content, but for anyone who's pregnant and um, has scoliosis in the sort of um, severity that Lauren and I have, take your scans with you if you're thinking of getting an epidural. Take your sk- take your films with you, and make sure that the anesthetist has them, because then they will get the needle mm. in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was something I was concerned about, and the anesthetist I took along the scans to uh, when I when I went into labour, and they said this was so much help, more helpful than me just trying. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't even think
1: about that. I mean, I remember look, I don't have any children, but, you know, that was a discussion that we had to have with Mm. my surgeon and, you know, surgeons can be very black and white, bless them. Um, And he wouldn't give me any sort of comment on how it might affect me if I was to get pregnant. But my wonderful osteopath, you know, did mention, he's like, look, you are, he, he likes to phrase my scoliosis as just being um, you've just got a a, a unique, a unique body to, to the next person. And, you know, he was like, Pregnancy is a very – it's a very strange thing mm. in that no one truly understands what it might do to your body. You could get pregnant tomorrow and your pain might go away. Like, yeah. who knows? it You know, pregnancy hormones can do all sorts of things for the body. That's true.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was lucky with my pregnancy and delivery that I don't think it affected it too much apart from that sense. Um, mm-hmm. But we we don't need to go into <laughs> – <laughs> the the birth story of my life but um, yeah that can be a concern as well yes yeah um, is there anything else that is worth sharing about your scoliosis journey that we haven't touched on um like you said at the beginning it's such a common affliction
1: and it does affect girls more than it does boys mm,
2: yes,
1: Um, and I've always joked that's because girls have the weight of the patriarchy on their shoulders <laughs> since birth so <laughs> <Yes>. um <laughs> but you know I think because it is quite a common thing but for most people it's it's mild Mm. a lot of folk forget when you do have it more significantly that it really can it is like it is a disability in many ways because Mm. it it can bring with it lots of you know chronic conditions and chronic pain which is what I suffer from that is it's an invisible thing right Um, Mm. people don't truly understand what it's like until they because I can and like yourself I can walk and I'm very much able-bodied but I suffer quite significant amounts of pain and it's learning to manage that which is the hardest I think
2: yeah definitely and I feel back pain is really tricky too from Mm -hmm. hearing what Michael, um, husband of the podcast has said in his medical world is that it's hard to actually target the cause of back pain. And sometimes X-rays yes. actually don't tell you anything. So that's right. Yeah. There's still a lot we don't know about where pain comes from and what actually helps it. And it's really just what works for you sometimes I think. Yeah. My wonderful
1: osteopath always says to me, he's like, I know that I'm meant to be a professional medical person here, but no, none of us know how pain works. Mm. No, nobody truly understands it. It is a real mystery and how it manifests fests in the body is no one can ever predict. And I think I always remember that because, you know, he he's always telling me, remember, Usain Bolt has scoliosis and he's the fastest yeah. man in the world. And <laughs> it doesn't mean you can't do anything. You can do lots of things. You just have to be aware of it. That's all.
2: Yeah. I guess it's like any sort of chronic illness and that you just have to make space to make for it, to make sure that you're um, doing everything you can for it so that you can continue with the goals you have. That's right. You kind of need to carve out that time. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's so funny how similar our stories are (laughs) in so many ways. It's a
1: real, it was a real time. And you know Mm. what I, I still kick myself because my parents, when they moved out of my childhood home several years ago now, My parents are very minimalist. They don't like clutter. They don't like to Mm. keep anything they don't have to keep. And my mother had kept my back brace all that time and I went home for the last time before they moved out and mum pulled the brace out and said, you know, now, do you want to keep this? And i kicking myself because I said no. I was like, no, why would I want to keep that? It's a terrible (laughs) reminder. But now that it's, you know, several years have passed and I've now gotten to the point where I can make jokes about my back brace I wish that I had kept it because oh. I would love to still have it
2: you could you could include it in a, a comedy show it could be you know, well I'm writing a show brace. about it now oh, and I'm amazing. so mad that I don't have a physical prop um, well I'm sorry I can't help you with mine the first one I painted uh oh
1: that's cute I don't know what
2: I did with it um but the second one I smashed up and ripped <sighs> apart <laughs> In a very cathartic manner.
1: Wait, you had two braces?
2: Yes, because I started to grow in that first year of wearing the brace. And then when they checked me after a year, they said, you still need the brace, but we need to sort of adjust. Adjust it. Yeah, to make it, keep pushing it the way they want it to push. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: I didn't didn't get another one, but I remember about halfway through mine, my straps at the back, because obviously it's pushing inwards on your frame Mm. at all times. So my frame had become smaller and so – and, and, you know, it, it is difficult to eat in a brace, unfortunately. So, yes. um, you know, it is normal for people who wear them sometimes to find that you do shrink a bit. Um, yeah. So my the straps at the back... Were too, I couldn't get them tight enough, so they had to redo all of the back and put in these. They put. I remember they put in this this really like industrial strength Velcro that was really big and thick. And I could. Re- and they had to shave off the kind of the last inch or two of each end of the brace, so I could push it in tighter, like a corset. Oh yeah. And I remember when they put the new Velcro on it, it was so thick and strong, it just poked out of all of
2: my oh, clothes. Oh no. <laughs> I can imagine that so clearly, so just <laughs> as, as well as just knowing exactly how, you know, eventually you just become so pro. At oh, so pro. Strapping at it. it up without looking.
1: Yep. Yeah. I didn't even have to think about it. It was like second nature.
2: Yeah. Ah, oh, that body memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a few pieces of media about scoliosis to perhaps touch on as well, because scoliosis isn't something that's really very prominent in media.
1: No, well, it's not interesting, really, is it?
2: (laughs) No, and like people don't look particularly gorgeous in back braces. No. (laughs) But yeah, I thought we'd talk about what we have seen in the media. Usually it's kind of the, it's like a brief joke or you know a a sort of comic relief character a quote-unquote geek character would um, wear a scoliosis back brace yes I did find this little I think it was a thread but in reddit someone said whenever you see skeletons in movies they never have scoliosis which I was like oh my god that (laughs) is so true that is so true (laughs) It's just, like, such a simple detail, but, like, it's absolutely true.
1: We need more representation in the skeleton
2: community. Yes, it's Halloween. Come on, let's get some Halloween (gasps) scoliotic. Okay, it's probably
1: not enough time now, but maybe (laughs) next year we should organize to be scoliosis skeletons Yes,
2: (laughs) as a a costume. Oh, that sounds amazing. I'm keen. (laughs) Maybe make some props. Mm. Yes, cute. Love that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on the note of Halloween too, um, there is a tale that Linda Blair, who was the young girl in The Exorcist who is possessed, had a back fracture from being on The Exorcist and having to be sort of tossed around so much, which had developed into scoliosis. So just looking up actors who have scoliosis, that came up and I thought, oh, that's A real shame for Linda Blair. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I knew that she complained of some back issues, um, Mm -hmm. but I didn't realise it had actually turned into a lifelong experience of scoliosis, so... That sucks. Mm,
1: That sucks a lot.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I also came across Sarah Polly, who's a director and actress. Mm -hmm. She wrote a book recently called Run Toward the Danger, and there's an excerpt in it, which I'll link, where she talks about being diagnosed with scoliosis not long after her mum passed away and how that impacted her. And- I think we'll both very much relate to what she wrote in that. And now I oh, really just sure. want to read the book. <laughs> um, but some other actors, like you mentioned Usain Bolt, the um, long distance, no, Sprinter. Her sprinter. Yeah. There's also McKenna Grace, Shailene Woodley, uh, Laura yes. Dern, who I love, yes. and I Chloe love Sevigny can. as well.
1: Yes. And this is might be a little bit niche if you're, a, but if, for the Aussie listeners, um, Sophie Faulkner, who was a pretty well-known tv presenter I think she was oh, on yeah. sale of the century for yes. a short time yeah um she had scoliosis she had the fusion surgery when mm-hmm. she was a teenager and I remember my mother telling me about that when <laughs> I was in a brace to make me feel better because Sophie Faulkner is like stunning she's a yes. beautiful beautiful woman
2: yeah and that's really um good to see because you know I was always told well if you don't get the surgery, you're, you're, you won't be able to become a dancer or a model. And it's like, well, I don't think I'm not going to anyway.
1: No, I don't think that was <laughs> going to be my pathway either.
2: <laughs> but, but you're right. That isn't true. Yes. But one piece of media that I came across when I was first diagnosed because the orthopedic surgeon actually suggested I engage with it was the Judy Bloom book, Deanie, which was written in 1973. Have you come across this book?
1: I have not. I mean, I've read a lot of Judy Bloom, but I was not – my um doctor did not recommend this to me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think he just had it in his room, like, for all the kids, all the teenage yeah, kids that come in. But Dini is a book – Judy Blume's, you know, an icon, but um, mm. this particular book is about a 13-year-old girl. Her mum is really determined for her to become a model and then she is diagnosed with scoliosis and prescribed a back brace to wear for the next four years. Four years, whoa. yeah. But she was diagnosed a little bit earlier than us, obviously. Um, and I guess it's a sort of a novel about how she sort of comes to terms with that, finds her peace with the idea of not becoming a model, but her mum sort of struggling with that. And there's a few sort of themes, like there's a, it's been a long time since I've read it, but apparently ableism is briefly touched on mm-hmm. when her guidance counselor recommends that Deanie take the quote-unquote special bus to school because she qualifies, but oh. she doesn't want to take the special bus because she doesn't see herself as requiring that. But the when you sort of uh, look up Deanie, it's really known as a controversial book because okay. Deanie talks about masturbation in it.
1: But that's Judy Bloom, baby. I know Judy Bloom was all about the masturbation storylines, and <laughs> that's can, why we love it. <laughs> you can have scoliosis and masturbate. That's yes, completely can. fine. In your half-hour break, <laughs> <laughs> it is difficult to get down there. I tell you yeah, what, when you're, you're wearing,
2: wearing it, check it off. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like she talks about touching a special place as a comfort for what she's going through, which mm. I think is really good representation of masturbation in a I think so too. World. I think so too. But of course people did not love it for that reason.
1: Well maybe again this could be another moment where I'm realizing my mother knew about this but wouldn't tell me because she didn't want me to know about masturbation. She was probably trying to hide it from me. Possibly yeah. (laughs) That was a bit of a running theme unfortunately for me.
2: (laughs) Yes the boomer generation. So yeah there's one piece of media um, which you know was pretty good considering there wasn't much out there and I quite like Judy Bloom.
1: Yes absolutely.
2: The other film that I came across quite a few years ago is called Looking for Mr. Goodbar, which stars Diane Keaton, and oh. it's a crime drama which was released in 1977, which is based on a novel by Judith Rossner. Okay. Um, have you heard of this movie at all?
1: No, I, I think what I'm really realising in this discussion we're having is that one of my coping mechanisms of having Scully was to actively not engage Mm. with things that were about it because I think even though I think now as an adult representation is important to me and makes me feel more seen I think as a teenager I wanted to forget I wanted to forget that I had it I didn't Mm. want to feel reminded that I had it so anytime someone would bring up have you seen this have you read this I would say no and I would Mm. probably not seek it out either
2: yeah, that's completely reasonable and fair and also a blessing because this film is difficult to watch and I could through it <laughs> and you can't stream it anywhere, which is great, which is a blessing. So how does the Scully come into the narrative? So Diane Keaton's character, Teresa, is a young school teacher in Chicago And she's having her sexual awakening while searching for excitement outside a very ordered life. So there's sort of a narrative that she's like got a double life because she's a teacher of the deaf. Mm -hmm. Um, But at night she goes out and she has sex, God forbid. Oh, my God.
1: Um, Scandal. Casual
2: sex too and drugs are sometimes involved. Could she? But there's also a backstory that she um, has quite severe body image issues following childhood surgery for scoliosis that left Mm -hmm. a large scar on her back. She also finds out that her scoliosis is congenital, which it often is, um, Mm -hmm. and that her aunt had the same condition and as a result died by suicide. So Teresa is reluctant to have children of her own for the same reason. So (laughs) (laughs) we're already not off to a great start. No, we're not feeling particularly uplifted by this story, are we? It's it's already quite an ableist take in that, you know, having scoliosis is is so detrimental and, you know, it does have a significant impact, but that it led to her aunt um, ending her life and not wanting to pass that on. There's, you know, there's just themes that it's, it's just not the greatest um, message, I guess. Oh, goodness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but there's more. <laughs> I mean, look, just in case anyone may have scoliosis or been diagnosed recently and is, you know, thinking it's a really terrible thing. It's really not. It's very manageable. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to go down Diane Keaton's
2: that, that way, you know. <laughs> no, no. And, um Obviously 1977 was a very, not very inclusive time in a lot of ways, but. No. Yeah. We didn't
1: know a lot back then. No,
2: but. Yeah, you can live a very full, very amazing life with scoliosis. Yes, you can. But just to finish up the story of this movie, just in case you're thinking about watching it, um, it doesn't end well. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're kidding. <laughs> so she, I guess she has a string of lovers who often turn out to be quite abusive or controlling, um, but then she does end up dating uh, or having sex with a man played by Tom Berenger, Gary, who – is actually gay but then lies to Teresa saying that he has a pregnant wife and then when Gary's unable to get it up he sniffs a popper (laughs) I don't even know what that is and Teresa tells him that it's okay if they don't have sex which Gary misinterprets as questioning his sexuality who then content warning Gary attacks her rapes her and then stabs her repeatedly killing her (laughs) um what yeah don't watch this film (laughs) What it's it, it's a big pivot, and I think it's a common sort of message in films of this time or, and and future, of you know blame victim blamey, um, sex shamey, don't have a s- don't full sex wrong life, with you. Yeah, yeah, um, because you will get murdered, and you know she pu- sort of put herself in that situation, sort of thing. So yeah, I Good wouldn't God. recommend it. Wow. I mean, what a message. And I did try and watch it, but I couldn't get through it. It was um, really hard to watch and pretty gratuitous. That's that's a film I'm glad I don't know about then. Well, I'm sorry, you know about it now. <laughs> well, I know
1: about it now. Am I going to do a deep dive later on it? Probably. <laughs>
2: <laughs> What's it called again? <laughs> oh, it's called Looking for Mr. Goodbar, and it's actually based on a novel which is based on an actual um murder of a teacher in the 70s.
1: It sounds so jaunty, though. The title sounds so, like, it sounds like it's from Wind in the Willows. Yeah,
2: yeah. I don't know what the reference is. No. Who Mr. Goodbye is, but. No, no. I don't know if I care <laughs> to find out. No, I don't
1: think it's worth finding out.
2: Yeah. There was also a film that you mentioned as well, The House Bunny.
1: Yes, yes. Look, I haven't seen The House Bunny in a while, but full disclosure, I have, and I think I still am in a bit of that era, but I went through a real time about a decade ago when I loved The Girls Next Door, Mm. also known as The Girls of the Playboy Mansion, which is Mm. a terrible reality, but also excellent reality show (laughs) about the three women who were dating Hugh Hefner in the early 2000s. And it is quite, I mean, look, when you know the backstory of what was actually going on, it is not so good, but (sighs) it was a kitschy, ridiculous, you know, MTV style reality show that I really loved for some reason. Goes against all my feminist values, but despite that, I just loved it. And when they did the show, the House Bunny, the film was written kind of based off of one of the the girls on the show, mm. and Anna Anna Ferris plays her in the film. And essentially, if you haven't seen it before, she um, she's sent to a sorority of sorts of misfits, and one mm. of the girls. Um, wears a back brace because obviously yeah. only dweebs wear back braces <laughs> not the not the not the alpha delta pi or whatever sorority this is like the the zed can't remember the sorority name but uh, yeah. she gamma adopts, she, P- the gamma P- cam, <laughs> gamma fee or whatever and she adopts these girls and basically gives them makeovers and stuff look it does sound awfully trite but it actually does have a pretty nice message at the end which is makes it a bit more palatable but yes the um the bunch of misfits that Anna Ferris comes across are one is a teen pregnancy one doesn't speak one wears a back brace there's you know
2: there's a motley crew girl and yeah the the goth
1: girl Yeah, yeah 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 so it's it's a it is what I do like about it though is that it's not like at the end and again, I don't remember the character names, forgive me, but there's no attempt to remove the back brace, the girl who wears it. She doesn't come out of the makeover being like, oh my God, I miraculously have a straight spine because that's mm-hmm. not how science works. But what she does do is she decorates her, her brace and decorates it with flowers and mm. pretty colours and ribbons and things that make her feel good. And I thought that's a nice way to frame it. So she t- sort of takes back the the power of the brace. To yeah. Herself, yeah,
2: and I think there's like a photo shoot where she looks hot in the brace. Yes, um, she does, yes. Yeah. One scene though you might might have forgotten is she explains to Anna Farris's character that she could have had the brace off years ago but she feels yep. doesn't feel comfortable and she's really nervous about what her spine might do. Um, when it comes out, which is very relatable. Which is a very relatable scene. Yeah, and also feels like yeah, Anna's like, you're kind of hiding behind your brace. You need to like embrace yourself. And then she goes running to catch up with the boy that she's got a crush on and she breaks out of the brace she as a does. nod to That's Forrest Gump. Yes, that is true.
1: I mean I forgive
2: that one. I give that
1: a pass. It's very because campy it, though. Because it's campy and yeah. it is a nod to another film. Yeah, exactly. A very obvious nod to another film. But yes, it's I mean there's there's an element of
2: the, of problematic there, but but there's also yeah. a positive but, message in that you know totally it's relatable to feel nervous about letting go of something yes, that has been part has of you, you, you and yeah, that you don't absolutely. need anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually is, really look,
2: love that film from my memory. I do
1: too. I do too. And you know what, describing it again makes me go, actually House Bunny is a very good movie despite what appearances, you know, what people may yeah. think or it actually is quite well written, and I really like Anna Faris as as a as an actor. I
2: think She's she hilarious. does a great she does a great job, so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So there's also I guess the big elephant in the room or hunchback <laughs> in the room is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yes. Like when I think of that, I think of the Disney film because I haven't really watched the original. No, But there's a lot of disabled tropes in it. I do a brief like dive into it on my TikTok page about how it's sort of Cosimodo- is seen as like lesser than, mm-hmm. um, you know, he doesn't just have a, a hunchback in scoliosis. He also has, you know, some facial differences as well. But yes. um, there's a lot of, you know, uh, negative treatment of him and also, yeah, seeing disability as a monster, disability as. Yes, I was going to say he's very much
1: constructed to be almost monster-like yeah, yeah. in many ways. Although I do find that obviously his treatment by Frollo is, is almost indicative of the way that, those who live with a disability can be mistreated. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, but,
2: definitely.
1: But yes, it's um, it's. <laughs> I'm listen. I'm not a huge Disney person. I don't watch Disney films. But I saw The Hunchback years ago when it came out. But I'm not a Disney adult. I don't watch that sort of stuff now. But I saw the musical of it, mm. um, or I've seen recordings of the musical, mm. and yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> There's something about watching someone wear prosthetics to make them appear a certain way that, yeah, it's, it's, there's a, there's a lot of gray area there, I think. Yeah.
2: There's a little bit of ick that comes with it. There's a
1: bit of ick. yes.
2: But then like, how do you tell the tale? Exactly. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And they are doing a remake of this one. I don't know when, but I just think that's a bad idea. (laughs) Like, do we really need this tale? Do we need another
1: one? Do we need another one? I'm interested. Look, I guess my answer to that question would be, well, how are they going to frame it? But
2: exactly. I, we won't know
1: until they do it.
2: Yeah. But that seems mm. to be Disney's MO at the moment is just remake everything. Everything. Regardless yeah, of whether it's a good idea or not.
1: <laughs> we're all in our, you know, we're all in our nostalgic era. So everyone just True. wants everything that they remember from their childhood, I guess.
2: And it's just not enough to just rewatch the thing from your childhood. Correct.
1: It's not enough. <laughs> you need more, more, more.
2: More. There was just one last film that I came across which I have not watched because it looks terrible, frankly. um mm-hmm. It's called Kiss Me and it was released in 2014. And it was directed by Jeff Probst from oh, Survivor. Oh, from Survivor. Yeah. So there you go. The reviews were not very good. Some of them, we like, well, how did you let Jeff Probst direct a
1: movie? How, do this? <laughs> how dare you speak about Jeff Probst like that? <laughs> <laughs> I have to
2: admit, I haven't watched survival <laughs>
1: I don't really watch it either. I'm.
2: I don't really know much about he's, Jeff Probst. I know he's. Pre- I know people mostly like him. That's as far as I can. But I
1: heard. Wasn't there a bit of controversy with him recently? That turns Was out there? he's a bit of a, a dick behind the scenes. But also, maybe I'm thinking of someone else. So there's oh, so many dickish <laughs> men in television. But it could it's be not. him.
2: <laughs> well, I will. I will not speak any more about Jeff Probst, who I yes, are about. But the film is a coming-of-age story of two young. Uh, I think teenage friends one of which is diagnosed with scoliosis and wears a back brace and seems to be sort of questioning her sexuality there's like a an affair with a married man and there's a, a kiss which is you mm-hmm. know in the title by yes by their family and it it just seems like just a trash film with with a lot of queer baiting in it that doesn't go anywhere gotcha so um yeah I <laughs> Maybe it's good. Maybe someone will like it, but it does. Like, ah, yeah, I'm not going to waste time on that.
1: Look, I think just based on that very brief synopsis, I don't think it's something I would <laughs> be actively seeking out to watch. And yeah, I
2: think it's not like on a Sunday afternoon, you're like, it's time to watch Kiss Me, the 2014 film <laughs> by Jeff Probst.
1: It's time to settle in and watch this excellent movie by someone who may or may not be a dick from Survivor. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Is there anything else that you came across before we jump into the film? I'm very excited to talk about. I
1: mean, not in in media per, per se, but I I just want to give a little shout out to the toy industry for releasing yes. a Skipper doll who yes. has a back brace. I think that is really lovely, and
2: Absolutely.
1: I wish that they had something like that when I was a kid. Even though at 14, I was probably too old for Barbies, but just knowing that it existed, I think is a really great move from Mattel.
2: Yeah, I'm so stoked for that too. Every time I go in a toy shop, I look for it thinking, oh, is it going to be there? But it's very hard to think across.
1: I was going to say, I haven't found it either. I'm wondering if I should still like maybe order one online and just have it in my house. (laughs) (laughs) And just be like,
2: it was me. Yeah, I love that. And I love that. It's not something like Mattel are very much being more inclusive with their Barbies, which they've been doing for years now. But it's one of those things that not a lot of people can relate to so it really yeah it's awesome yeah
1: yeah it's awesome I love to see it
2: yes well let's talk about the best depiction I think (laughs) personally yes of Someone with scoliosis in a back brace, which is *Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion* um, yes. from 1997. Tell me about your experiences of this film or experience.
1: Oh man, look, I was a *Friends* fan from the jump, so I knew Lisa Kudrow, and I was very hyper aware of the film when it came out. It was very heavily marketed. I think when we were teenagers, mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to watch it at first. Um, I remember my cousin, who was a good nine or ten years older than me, was coming over to sort of stay with us while my parents went away and she was going to take me to go see it. We weren't going to tell my mum and dad because she's like, <laughs> oh, it'll be fine. I'll take you to see it. And then I think, I can't remember what happened, but we didn't end up being able to go because my parents came home early. How dare they? and oh, no. I know, but I eventually did get to see it and I loved it. I still love it. I still love it to this day. I mm. think it's an excellent film and I think it was the first time because what, what year did it come out? I think I was in, I think by then I was just, what year did
2: it come out? It was out? 1997. So okay. So I, I was in grade six. I think I was, yeah, yeah. 11.
1: I was in year eight, I think. Mm. Um. So I hadn't yet, I think I'd just gone into my back brace. So it was the first time that I really felt comfortable, I guess, engaging with a piece of media about back braces and scoliosis and mm. all of my friends when I saw it, because I saw it with friends, all of my friends in that first scene where you see her in the schoolyard wearing her back brace, they all were like poking me and were like, oh, my God, she's got a back brace like you. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm just
2: like Lisa Kudrow. <laughs> Did you know that that – like was that a surprise when that – you didn't know that that was going to yeah, happen? Yeah, I didn't know. No, I had no mm.
1: idea because it wasn't really marketed as no. part of the film, was it? It was just sort of a surprise. But uh, obviously the biggest difference being that Lisa Kudrow's character Character wears a metal brace, which was mm. very 80s, and yeah. she wears a thoracic brace, which goes up to her neck. Yeah,
2: um, which I think I they usually call a Milwaukee brace. Milwaukee brace,
1: yeah. and that's basically if your curve is in your thoracic spine or mm. up towards your cervical spine, you have to wear a neck brace to keep uh, your neck in place. But you and I, by the sounds of it, both wore a lumbar spine. Yeah, I both had curves in our Correct. So no neck brace for us, but yeah, I just, look, I was just thrilled that someone that I loved so much from television was playing a character that wore a brace. That
2: was very cool. Yes. (laughs) I can imagine how unexpected and how exciting that would have been. Yeah. Because I don't think I wasn't allowed to watch Friends. I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons either, but we were allowed to watch Seinfeld. Um, That's so bizarre. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what my parents were thinking. Or maybe it was just that they preferred other shows to Friends. Maybe. But I knew her from Friends. Um, of course. And thought she was just so hilarious. Um, yes. I think we got it out from the video shop one night during a movie night. And I, can't, I actually can't remember if I wore a brace. I think I had started wearing the brace before I watched it because mm-hmm. I feel like I knew she wore a brace. Maybe I'd read about it or something. Or I don't know. Um, but it definitely shaped my sense of humour along with Clueless as well, which um, was kind of the beginning of some of those female-led comedies. I think Mm -hmm. I was reading um, there's a really good article, An Oral History of Romy Michelle's High School Reunion, which is just a delight to read.
1: Oh, my God, I need to read
2: that. Yeah, it's so good. It's just so fun to read. Um, And they were saying, like, if Clueless hadn't been so successful, then this film probably wouldn't have been released because Mm -hmm. similar to what's happening with Barbie and, like, Taylor Mm -hmm. Swift era's um, people cottoned on that, hey, women like to go to the films. Oh my God, women like themselves. things.
1: Yeah. Women spend them. money. Oh my goodness.
2: Who would have thought? <laughs> but yeah, it was so good to see. I feel like the use of the back brace is such that it's a comedic device and she's sort of bullied through For it. it. Yeah. but it's also because it's such a positive message in the film it's not done in a like a tropey way i feel like i agree it sort of works in going just be yourself and just cuz you you have to wear this thing or you have this diagnosis doesn't mean you can't be a fabulous person
1: that's right and i think even now cuz i think it's one of those films that has really stood the test of time it's mm. got a real cult following kind mm. of thing and it's a film that i would sit down and watch any day of the week and one of my best friends one of her favorite things to say to me to this day is because um, we actually went to our combined birthday party as Romy and Michelle, which oh, felt so appropriate. Cute. <laughs> um, but actually, I didn't go. We I went as Romy and she was Michelle because she's the Jewish one. So um, <laughs> we thought that was more appropriate because um, we weren't sure how to you know who's going to be who. But she loves to say to me all the time. She'll say, "It wasn't your fault. You had scoliosis." <laughs> <laughs>
2: I want a bitch taking your hamburger.
1: I want a bitch taking (laughs) your hamburger. I mean, what was that?
2: (laughs) It's so quotable. So quotable. I remember lying in the sick room once in high school and just like going through the film in my head (laughs) because it was just like so comforting that I've seen it that many times. Yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah, it was a real, um, I mean, I'm trying to think of my timelines here because, you know, all of my teenagehood tends to blend into one, but you know, it it didn't really hit me when I was that young how much of an impact, it, a positive impact it would have on mm. me as a fellow scoliosis sufferer to see something like that in a very popular, very well known film. Mm. Yeah, 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 definitely. And the fact that Michelle isn't a dweeb, like she isn't. I mean, yes, she's bullied in high school for the brace and stuff, but like when she, when they get older and stuff, they're very much you know, fun California girls who are having a great time together and have a great friendship and, you know, living their best lives. I think that really meant something too.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it sort of, I love that she wasn't a dwee, but they didn't really fit in in high school. No, correct. the sort of floaters, and they just yep. really had each other. They didn't really, weren't really part of a group, which is very much my experience at high school too. Like, if same, I, actually, yeah. If I was in a group, it was more the nerdy group, mm-hmm. which I guess they connect with most because it sounds like like Heather and Sandy are kind of part of that nerdy group. Yeah, but yeah, it was sort of not really fitting in anywhere, and also like marching to the beat of their own drum and dressing the way yeah. they wanted to dress and being interested yeah. in things that didn't necessarily fit everybody else's, but just doing it anyway.
1: That's right. And I think that also too, they didn't change the way that Lisa Kudrow looked to make her look worse. Like, yeah. cause I think that sometimes with characters or people in the media who are portrayed as having, you know, either something, uh, whether it be scoliosis or another affliction of the back or whatever, Mm. they can sometimes, you know, they're also made to seem not I don't want to say ugly but that they're, they're given you know other physical characteristics that make them look worse because yeah. that have nothing to do with the fact that they have a twisty spine and I liked that Michelle's character she's still herself she's still the same girl she turns into as an adult she hasn't changed her personality because she wore a back brace no she just has a brace on that's
2: that's she it. still dresses with all the fabulousness to. that she would yep. have anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Before we keep chatting, I just want to quickly go through the plot so people know what we're talking sure. about. Romy and Michelle was written by Robin Schiff, who based it on a play called Lady's Room. And originally the characters Romy and Michelle was sort of kind of like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Yes, yeah, they um, are. Yep. Sort of came in as like sort of comic relief in between scenes and commented on what was going on and had like just had their friendship like all of the quotes that came out like oh my god I hate throwing up in public oh me too like it's the most (laughs) profound thing um and they're just soulmates so it would have been really fun to see the original play I think so David Merkin actually directed it who was an executive producer on The Simpsons oh yep which kind of explains why the humor is quite Uh, unique and hilarious I think Mm -hmm. but basically the plot is that there are two 28 year old best friends Romy White and Michelle Weinberger who live together in an apartment in Venice Los Angeles California they are single unambitious Enjoy a casual lifestyle of slacking, mocking TV and movies, and elaborate amateur dressmaking.
1: Honestly, they have my dream life.
2: Oh my god, I'd love. Like, can you imagine being able to afford an apartment? (laughs) I know you wouldn't. Now, no way. While working, Romy encounters her former classmate from high school, Heather Mooney, played by Janine Garofalo who I was obsessed with from this movie. I love Jindy. So, so funny. Yeah.
1: I used to get told I reminded people of her, which was like the highest compliment anyone <laughs> could give me. This is back when I used to dye my hair, this terrible shade of black, which does not suit me at all. Suits her very much, but did not suit me. <laughs>
2: I'm I'm trying to picture that right now. <laughs> so she was a sort of rebellious troubled girl who smoked cigarettes in school, is now a businesswoman having invented the paper for a special type of cigarette, the quick burning paper, who informs Romy about their upcoming 10-year high school reunion in Tucson, Arizona. So they sort of go back into the past and how they were sort of bullied by the A group, which was a small group of popular yet mean girls led by cheerleader Christy Masters, who humiliated them repeatedly. And Romy had a crush on Christy's boyfriend, Billy Christensen.
1: Both of whom, Billy Christensen and the actress who played Christy, is it Masters or Masterson? Well,
2: Masters. Masters.
1: Both of them had... Uh, Cameos in Friends Oh I did not know that That's awesome Um, Billy Christensen played Fun Bobby And Mm -hmm. Christy Masters uh, Has a one episode arc Where she plays the new girlfriend of Ross
2: Oh cool
1: Yeah I wanted go. to throw that in
2: there. <laughs> some friends <laughs> trivia for you. So there's like a, some quite touching flashbacks where they were quite humiliated from school. But, uh, you know, Romy's really concerned that, you know, we, she wants to make a good impression on her classmates and she feels like they're not good enough. Whereas Michelle is saying, I thought high school was great and I feel like our life now is great. Yeah. But Romy is determined to lead her and Michelle into making some last-ditch attempts to improve themselves like lose weight, get good boyfriends and and jobs. But it doesn't quite work out, so instead they decide to borrow an expensive car and if anyone needs to make a call, they've got phones, (laughs) dress up in business suits and say that they've become businesswomen. Once they figure out they need to decide what they do as a business, um, they determine that they invented post-it notes. (laughs) Iconic. Thinking no one's going to know who did that. (laughs) As they discuss the details of their life, it escalates into an argument about their friendship and they decide to go their separate ways once they reach the reunion. Now, I don't want to continue on because if you haven't seen the film, I think it's better not knowing sort of what happens next. I think
1: that's that's all you need to know. But you also need to know that Lisa Kudrow delivers one of the best monologues in a film (laughs) about glue that I've ever listened to, which I kind of no off by heart I love it so much but I it's just such a great well ordinarily when you make glue first you need to thermoset your resin it's just so good and then you
2: mix in epoxide
1: which is just really a fancy schmancy name for any simple oxygenated adhesive right It's so good. We can keep going. I know.
2: Um.
1: Also, can <laughs> okay. I just say my other favorite quote that I don't know why this just tickles me every time I see the scene. It's the one where they're in the gym and she says, Michelle, remember when we were in high school and they would give you those stupid, you know, those math problems about and she'd be like, oh, I know. You know, like th- <laughs> this guy is going to town and this current is going X miles and the <laughs> <laughs> the, the rowboat is going some other miles. How long does it take him to get to town? <laughs> And it's like, who cares? Who wants to go to
2: town with a guy who drives a rowboat? (laughs) (laughs) I just think that's so funny. Uh, She's so funny. Uh, (laughs) Like As I said, I wasn't into Friends. I was prevented from it. But if you just take Lisa Goodrow's comedic talents from this film, she's just exceptional. She's fantastic.
1: I think I completely blundered that quote, but I'm sure if you know the movie, you'll know
2: (laughs) what I'm talking about. And I guess, you know, the whole purpose of the film is such a, it's quite unlike many films, like there is some love stories within it, but it's really about their friendship and how important that is. And, you know, one's the Mary and one's the Rhoda. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, I have to also say that they talked to Art Fry, who was the actual inventor of post-its
0: Oh, um, <laughs> in
2: that Deep dive. Oh no, I think it might have been a different article, which I'll link. And he said what she said about glue is actually incorrect. (laughs) Which made (laughs) me very disappointed.
1: That is disappointing. I really wanted that to
2: be correct. Oh, that's a shame. (laughs) But just a couple of details as well. It's really interesting reading the oral history. There was actually a lot of rewrites and re-edits as it didn't land quite as well with test audiences as Mm -hmm. they expected. And I think maybe the humor was lost on some. A bit. What do then you as mean? A,
1: it's a perfect film.
2: It is. And I think a lot of like when you re- read back, everyone sort of agreed it was a perfect film by the end of it. Yeah. Um, but as a result of having to do that, it didn't get as much promotion as it was originally going to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But which they were really banking on because Mira Savino just won an Oscar for Mighty Aphrodite yes. and also Lisa was getting quite popular from Friends. Yes. So they yes. thought this is going to be a hit, but it didn't. <laughs> it, it made enough money. It made money, it but was it wasn't. Better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But also Lisa Luda is played by Elaine Hendricks, who is the stepmom in Parent Trap. Yes, she is. Correct. I can't believe I didn't pick up on
1: that. She's, in, she's in so many films, Elaine yeah. Hendricks, she's in so much stuff.
2: She's just one of those, like, 90s actresses that went everywhere. And she pops up in some pretty
1: iconic things, too. Love that for her.
2: Go, Elaine. Um, Also, I found this really interesting. Julia Campbell, who played Christy, actually did have scoliosis and wore (gasps) the same kind of brace that Michelle wears with the full headgear, and she had surgery, so Going through wow. that scene was actually really hard for her and reminding her what, how she would be bullied and having to be the bully was really difficult and she went through a lot of emotions to get there, which is like
1: really that's, sweet. That's really sweet. Yeah. I had no idea. Good for yeah, me. and
2: I'm not sure if it was intentional or it was made that way, but it makes me sort of think, oh, there's some lived experience there.
0: Yes. Well,
2: I love that. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to comment on what the writer Robin said about the scoliosis um, depiction because I thought that was interesting Mm. because she was asked by someone with scoliosis. um, Robin said that she wanted something that was visual that they would pick on Michelle for and her best friend in junior high had scoliosis and Robin remembers that she wore a back brace and how horrible it was when you're that age to wear a back brace. Kids Mm. don't like people who are different. So that's why she thought of it. And she also pointed out, which is validating for us, that Romy and Michelle aren't nerds exactly. She thinks of them as different sort of unconventional outcasts. Um, So the scoliosis felt like a natural choice for a movie outcast because the character had to experience some cruelty and the source of the cruelty had to be communicated quickly on screen um, and using sort of a visual medium to convey what the story was. Yes. So, yeah, that's kind of why she chose the back brace in there, which is you don't often get that sort of explanation from directors, especially when movies that long ago.
1: Well, usually up until then a lot of scoliosis representation was just tokenistic, right, to make it look dweeby or whatever. And I know that I said before, you know, scoliosis is otherwise an invisible disease except when you wear a back brace. And the director's, like, the writer is right. Like, it is such an immediate visual thing and you know that you can you know yeah it's a real good jumping off point
2: yeah yeah and I think it sort of had the potential to be a joke or a tropey thing that sort of makes fun of the person wearing it yeah but I feel like the reflection of that flashback and like that line you couldn't help if you had scoliosis was just (laughs) extremely like it just sort of nails it. Yeah, you can't help it if you're a bit totally. Different.
1: And she, like I said before, like she, they do acknowledge it, but it doesn't become this. It doesn't become a big, big thing that her whole character hinges on. It's just part of her journey. It's just one yeah. step of her becoming who she is.
2: And I think it's funny. In that when they go to the high school reunion and one of the A team says, look, it's the back brace girl. Hi, back brace girl. It's like, <laughs> they Hi, can't back brace girl. <laughs> they can't think of anything else to sort of criticize her over. So they just point out the one thing they kind of remember about her and yeah. her response is just, oh, shut up.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, I've got a bendy spine. Like, cool. Like, you got me.
2: <laughs> you guys got fat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're not the ones who got fat we're pregnant <laughs> i hope your babies look like monkeys <laughs>
2: it's just so good it's amazing How did you sort of feel the film kind of encapsulated that experience of high school and going back to your high school reunion and, and having to go back there? Look, I think for me, it's a very Americanized film, right? Mm. It's
1: very American and I certainly, there are elements of it that I couldn't relate to because I went to a very conservative Christian school in Brisbane. But what I, I think how it made me feel is that I had a best friend in high school who very much we stuck together, and that was mm. and she was very um, almost like protective of me when I had the the brace on. I mean, a lot of my friends were quite protective of me, and I think you can see that reflected in the character of Romi. Mm.
2: And
1: that that was something I definitely take away from that. I went to my own school high school reunion. I mean, I couldn't make the twenty year reunion. Yes, I'm that old. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, I would have liked to go. I I went to my ten year reunion. But like I said, I was very lucky. I I I didn't really get. I wasn't picked on for for my back brace. A lot of the girls were very just curious about it. So I, mm. I didn't I didn't relate to it in that way because I hadn't been treated that way. But I certainly wasn't as cool as those two appeared mm-hmm. to be. Anyway,
2: I absolutely did not feel cool in any way. And you know, sort of wanted to emulate these girls because they didn't fit in, like I didn't fit in, and they didn't try to be anything other than what they were. And when they did try, it failed spectacularly when yeah. they tried to be something different. That's and right. then when they That's come right. back as themselves, it's like really cathartic. And that um, line to Christy saying, "We don't give a flying fuck what you, what think. you think." Oh, it's it like beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, and I didn't go to my 10-year reunion. I was going to, but my sort of equivalent of Romy as the Michelle in the friendship and I we'd had some time apart as friends and then we would kind of reconnected so we're like why don't we just have our own reunion and go to the pub and that's what we did
1: oh that's lovely so
2: that's perfect I think having a friend to sort of share those odd interests with you um that weird sense of humor or not really fitting in really you know helps you through yes and without those where would we be
1: Yeah, that's right. I think you can't really put a, not a price, but you can't really put a price on how important it is to have at least one person around you who, Mm. you know, when you're going through something like that, you do look, and when you're a teenager, the way you look is important to you Yeah, and you look different when you wear a brace and having a friend or friends who aren't bothered by that means something.
2: Yeah, exactly. And accept you exactly who you are and still see you as who you are. That's right one last thing I love about the film is how there's sort of that undercurrent that there's always someone who's made someone else's life hell in high school. Yes, yes. Like we're all underdeveloped teenagers trying to figure out who we are and no one was innocent because we're all flawed.
1: (laughs) A hundred percent, which I think is a very true, true message Mm. because I, you know, I often would look back on, on my time in high school thinking I was such a dweeb, like I was the back brace girl, like, I, you know, wasn't cool or didn't have any power kind of thing. But it does kind of remind you. Actually, there was probably another person looking at me and thinking, you know, I wasn't such a dweeb and wanting, Mm. perhaps wanting to be my friend. I don't know. I don't know that for sure, but it's very possible.
2: Yeah. You just don't know what's going through everybody's head, especially in that very vulnerable time where everyone's got their own stuff going on and everyone is going through puberty. Yes, all the things that come with that.
1: We're all just silly little chickens with our <laughs> heads cut off. We have no idea what we're doing.
2: <laughs> yeah, just trying to get through. That's right. Anything else you want to mention about Romeo and Michelle? I just wish I, ha- I mean, I should send
1: you a photo of me and my friend dressed up as them at our birthday. Yes, that please was pretty great. That was pretty great. Although my Romy dress was, for some reason, my beautiful, our, our mutual friend made our costumes for us, bless her. And for some reason, my costume turned out to be very, very skimpy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we just didn't get enough material, but it just covered my bum, thank goodness. But <laughs> I think I still have it somewhere. I wonder if I could still wear it. I doubt it. But, I yeah, it's so great. I'll, I'll see if I can dredge up a photo for you. Oh
2: uh, yes, please. I guess it's also good to note that um, Trixie and Katya did yes. a musical version of. Did they? It, I believe. Or no, there is a musical version of Romi Michelle's. House yes, Correa. yes, there is
1: a musical version. Yes.
2: Um, maybe they starred in it or did one together. Or, um, um but they definitely I definitely have. I could
1: be really wrong here, but I believe the Romy and Michelle musical is being still kind of has gone back into development and it's ah. very possible that the first, I feel like the first run of it did not go as well as they thought it might. Um, right. And then, cause I'd heard about it through the, the grapevine, And I feel like it took a couple of goes for them to get it on its feet. So it first came out in 2017 in Seattle, did like a, what's called an out-of-town tryout or sort of where they, you test a musical before you try and take it to Broadway. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: The reviews were very mixed. (laughs) (laughs) There wasn't a lot written about it at the time. Um, It looks like the photos, it looks like they're being quite true to the source material, but since then, I believe it, it's it gone back into development. So right, okay. I'd be very interested to know where it's at now.
2: If it does come to fruition, I really hope it comes to Australia. Oh, it would be amazing. My goodness my kingdom to be in that
1: musical because um if you don't know dear listeners i am a musical theater performer i used to be anyway don't know if i've still got the chops for it but
2: you were in strictly ballroom not that long ago i
1: was that's true but i was
2: playing an old lady Uh, (laughs) but a a musical dancer as well yes sure (laughs) (laughs) I guess overarching all of that this I think Romy and Michelle really has a positive message of being true to yourself and not comparing yourself to everybody else's life because you actually don't know you know if you're measuring success based on what you see other people especially on social media then mm-hmm. you don't actually know that's not a very good measure um yes, and the true. message at the end being just be who yourself maybe you don't have the career that everybody else has but um what's more important is that you're being truthful to yourself and doing what makes you happy and i guess at the end they end up like opening their own boutique anyway yeah exactly <laughs> but-
1: what i yeah what i really like is that? I mean, the movie does pass the Bechdel test, which is yes. always a good sign. And I love that. Yes, uh, Michelle does get together with Sandy in the end, but that's kind of not what they land on at the end. When you, yeah. when we say goodbye to the characters, they they've opened their store together, and it, the most important thing is that they're still best of friends, and they've mm. they've found something that makes them happy. And I think that's actually a really progressive message for the late nineties.
2: <laughs> yes. And they're just happy folding scarves together. That's right. You don't have to do crazy things with your bestie.
1: You can just fold scarves or have a beer together and be perfectly happy. And I think that's really nice.
2: Which actually leads to my favorite quote from uh, Heather, which is, hopefully I get it. This dress exacerbates the genetic betrayal that is my legacy. (laughs) I think that's what it is. Oh, God. That sounds right. I think you nailed it. (laughs) I might have missed a a few words. She is good. She is the very
1: best. Good. But I also enjoy – oh, fuck off, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> fuck
2: off. Oh, and also Justin Thoreau is the cowboy yes, in yes, it. Yes, I was going
1: to say, Justin Thoreau is also in it, which is a strange flashback as well.
2: Amazing. And I think he was fairly, un, like, not very well known at the time. But no, no,
1: not at all. And you don't really see his face either. It's covered no. by his cowboy hat. Yeah.
2: So it's another, like, person I was like, oh, my God, that's him. I know. <laughs> like, it also ago.
1: tickles me that Alan Cumming plays Sandy. Like, yeah, I just I adore everything he does.
2: So he's so iconic. He's yeah, excellent. <laughs> just a brilliant, brilliant movie. If you haven't watched it, what are you doing? Go and watch Does it. anybody
1: it's- need to make a call? Because I've got I've a got phone. phone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Love it. I guess to finish up, is there anything that you would tell your younger self about scoliosis, about body image, living in your life, and also for anyone else out there who um, has scoliosis or is going through wearing a treatment for scoliosis? Goodness me. I
1: think if I met my younger self, the first thing I would say to them is it's all going to be okay. And the second thing I would say is that you're going to come out of this with a better sense of humor than everybody else. <laughs> but just be careful because then you'll want to go into stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think anyone who would be diagnosed nowadays, I'd say the same thing. You know, it's not a life sentence. Mm. You know, it, it can be very confronting. It can be limiting in some ways. But, you know, one thing I've definitely learned is that you're, body is quite amazing and it is amazing at adapting and you'd be so surprised how how well it can adapt to this and how mm. much you can still live a very great full life with or without a
2: back brace. 100%. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good message. Yeah. I would agree. I would probably tell myself that this is a very character building experience. Yes. Um, it didn't make me pursue comedy, but it did (laughs) make me interested in mental health and supporting Mm -hmm. young people, particularly amongst all the other mental health issues I have experienced in my (laughs) life. I think it led to me becoming a psychologist and, um, yeah, yeah, like you say, it's not going to stop you from achieving what you want to do. That's right. Um,
1: But I would just say, just make sure that you get good shoes, make sure you buy good shoes. Don't, um, (laughs) don't walk around in in shitty shoes
2: and lie down more it's okay to lie down and take breaks
1: rest more yeah that's what I would
2: also tell someone yeah and get out of sport if you want to Yes, (laughs) Yes,
1: it. <laughs> it's not going to. Nothing will change. Your grade will not change if you miss, you know, softball for a couple of for a couple the of weeks. Beep test. <laughs> you don't need to do the beep test. You'll still get your your high school
2: certificate. You'll still graduate. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, one last thing. Um, is there any particular throughout your scoliosis journey? Are there any particular resources or supports out there that you would recommend to anyone?
1: Look, and again, I just I will reiterate that I was terrible at engaging in support because I was very much bury my head in the sand about it and ignore the fact that I had it when I was younger. But these days, there are some really great um, support groups on Facebook. I mean, I don't use Facebook a lot, but one great thing about it is that it, you can access it for, you know, certain pages or certain groups. And I am in a scoliosis support group on Facebook. And, I, and you know, sometimes it's it's just... Um, parents worrying about their children and their diagnosis and other times it's people like me who are not sure whether they should pursue surgery or not and it's just nice Mm. to be in that forum um, Mm. sometimes which is really useful and I would also just say finding a good allied health professional who's well experienced with scoliosis specifically will pay itself back in Mm. for, for the rest of your life like now that I have a treating doctor who understands my body and understands how scoliosis works it makes such a huge difference and they can really empower you to um, take control of of your condition and know how to manage your body. Basically,
2: that's so good. Thank you. I once upon a time I made a website called Scully Teens, cute, uh, and it is now defunct. But um, I thought it was really cool at the time. It is really cool. Good for you. <laughs> Trying to provide support for teens around scoliosis. But while I was engaging with that, I came across awesome female support group called Curvy Girls which also has lots of Facebook groups for depending yep. on where you are located. Yep. Um, but if you go to www.curvygirlsscoliosis.com, mm-hmm. there's usually like an ambassador in each area um and it's all yeah, led by young girls with scoliosis. Oh, that's lovely. I love that. Yeah, it's really sweet. And they do like events and parties and Zoom get-togethers and stuff like that. Bless. Well, is there anything before we say goodbye that you would like to plug that you're doing at the moment and also how people can reach you on social media?
1: Um, I'm not doing anything at the moment except having a six-month long panic attack also known as writing a new show.
2: Very exciting. For,
1: so for I us. am Well, I am actually writing my new show will be very much based around being the back brace girl so my all this new material i'm very excited to be finally talking about it and making jokes about it in a way that i hope is entertaining but also empowering and not in any way (laughs) self-pitying
2: i'm so excited i cannot wait great so
1: please if you're if you're that way inclined keep a lookout for my show next year which will hopefully debut in comedy festival if you'd like to reach me on social media, my TikTok and Instagram our handle is at live, laugh, lauren underscore underscore and that's where you can find me and I'd love to see you.
2: Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've really enjoyed our chat about open oh, scoliosis.
1: It was so great. It's so nice to talk to someone about it who's actually had it. It's yeah, it's crazy how yeah. much we don't talk about such a common thing.
2: And that was such a huge part of yes. our lives for so long and still is. Yes, it, I agree. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much for having
2: me. I've had a great time. This podcast is not designed to be therapeutic, prescriptive, or constitute a formal diagnosis for any listener. For a longer version of this disclaimer, please check the episode notes on your podcast app.